Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, good morning. We're live from Tomago from West Track, and it's the Robson Civil Projects Open Day, and we're so excited to be here. In fact, Gary Birkinshaw and I, we did a little road trip this morning, and uh, the people have spoken, we've listened. So after this, what, we're heading to Queensland next week to do our show? I can't see why this does not become a regular thing. What a great road trip it was, and yeah, you drove, which made it even, even better, but you've got yeah. the tunes happening, but... Yeah, this is what the people want. The people want us out in the road, and, and, and who are we to disappoint? So, so you're saying Tomago today, Burley Heads next week, Whit Sundays in December. Well, they tell me that that's where they want us. Um, so who, who are we to disappoint? And I reckon Robson Civil Projects, they might have a depot in the Whit Sundays that we could broadcast from. In, in fact, Grant Robson was on Hamilton Island recently. I'm sure maybe we could transport the show. I'm pretty sure that's what he would have been up there for, you know, you know, scoping the place out to have the show up there because, as, as I said, People want us. Yeah, absolutely. Alongside us, the business development manager, Chris Dixon. Greg Ferguson is here as well. He's been on the Barbie since 6 a.m. Uh, Dicko, to you first, my friend. If you build it, they will come. So at the moment, uh, I think, what, we've got about 40 or 50 people that are going to test drive some of the equipment. Yeah, that's right, Steve. Um, hopefully, and we get 30 or 40 people that want jobs. We need them, and uh, this is what today's all about. So what kind of equipment will they be testing this morning? Yeah, so this morning we've got uh, two excavators out there, uh, a dozer, a skid steer loader, and a articulated dump truck. So, Dicko, mate, first time in 60 years that you've had to do this? What, what, why, why the need? So why, yeah, what's the work situation like? Yeah, look, I mean, we've got 24, 25 jobs on at the moment, and they're all screaming out for different sorts of people. So, And for us to grow and, and move into new areas, we need more people, and the market is really tight. Yeah, I've got a question for Greg Ferguson. So you've been running the operation in Dubbo. Congratulations. Uh, tell us what it looks like out there, but also, is it hard to find a workforce? Oh, it is, Steve. It's, um, Dubbo is obviously a, an area that we moved into early in the year. And, uh, yeah, look, it's, we've got a couple of good projects out there. One of them's in a gold mine and the other one in, in Dubbo itself, an industrial area. But, yeah, like Chris said, the market's tough for people, for good people, and... Um, Hence the reason why we're having a day like we are today. Look, uh, just watching what unfolds here, is it like the voice? Like, will you guys be on chairs that spin around if you like the look of someone when they're on some of this equipment? The red button gets hit, mate, and uh, yeah, we certainly grab them. But um, yeah, no, nah, look, we've been lucky the weather's on our side. And You're like Guy Sebastian. <laughs> no, I don't know about that. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's, it looks, looks like it's going to be a great day, mate. Uh, West Track. Uh, what can you say about them? Because I've driven past here numerous times on my way to Newcastle Airport. And the place is absolutely enormous. Uh, tell me more about your association with them. Oh, look, we've been involved with West, West Track now for, oh, well, Caterpillar, I suppose you'd call it. It started out in the early days as, as Warren Josephson was the, was the dealer, and we've been involved with them since we've been in business. So um, this place here is, just, like you say, it's phenomenal. The, the workshop inside there for, for the fitters is like a, it's like a hospital. You know, you can imagine the floor's all clean. They have engine rooms. They have hydraulic sections. They have training rooms. And, I mean, this facility we're in now is something that they take on the road for, you know, to, to showcase their equipment. Yeah, Chris, I've got a question for you. So uh, some of the boys that are here now, they said they saw this ad on Facebook, but if people are listening via the SEN app, whether it's on the Central Coast, maybe in Sydney, somewhere else around Australia, uh, they're able to come here today, but if they can't make it today, what do you suggest they do? 
Yeah, look, um, if you can't make it here today, you know, it'll be great to see you. But if you can't, um, always look on our website for our current uh, opportunities for employment and uh, get your information through to uh, recruitment at robsoncivil.com.au. And, mate, uh, I've got some intel that you may be the oldest player in history to be playing first grade in the Newcastle Cricket Competition later on today. And I think from everyone, that deserves, like, a, a round of applause. Um, so you'll be steaming in off the short run-up at uh, what age? I'll be pushing off the sight screen at 47, Steve. Yeah, that's magnificent, isn't it? That's a great performance. It just goes to show that when you're president of a club, it means everything. <laughs> you're doing everything there. And we need an opening bowler. We look around and there's the president standing. Yep, you'll do. At, yeah. at selection night on Thursday. Yeah. Well, I would have thought at selection. I come selection, I just goes to show the president has no say whatsoever. So. I'm actually glad I'm here today because I would have had to take the covers off this morning if I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we'll talk more cricket as the show unfolds because the Aussies had a win this week. Oh, Fergie, you want some more airtime? Mate, I just uh, just for Burke, I just I'm hearing that the uh, the Wallaby Wombats have moved up today. They're playing golf and they're only playing with three legs. They are only playing with three legs because I had to make a choice. Mm. Like I had the open day where, which is all golf trip with Wallaby, and I had to come to the open day. It's just some priority, just something that's just more important. And, and I love my golf, so to be here, that just goes to show that the commitment, you know, the commitment I'm showing, especially when we're looking at the Wit Sundays in you know, in December. So no, yeah, I've been on the phone and and and. Talking to Boz and, and Salts and the boys, they're, they're up there playing a bit short. Um, yeah. But I believe there is, I've, I've got photographic proof, that there is um, a head on a stick of oh. Gary Birkinshaw. <laughs> and, and the scary part, I think it's the second one in a row I've missed, but if, to be perfectly honest, though, if you've seen me play golf, they're not actually playing one short. They play one short when I'm actually there. <laughs> have, have you seen this kind of commitment from Michael Butner? That is the question. Yeah, yeah. He's akin to yesterday's hero. <laughs> <laughs> he's the John Paul Young of Messi. <laughs> All right, we've got to go live to the UK. And how lucky, how privileged are we that Brad Donnell will join us, the coach of the Gillaroos, the Australian women's side. They're in the grand final at Old Trafford against New Zealand. Had a massive win in their semi-final, but this should be a fantastic game. Brad, uh, welcome to Saturdays on the Coast. You're about to get some beauty sleep because I believe it's uh, after 10pm in Manchester right now. Yeah, mate, last night before the, the final tomorrow. Uh, yeah, so uh, hopefully get a good night's sleep tonight and, and get the job done tomorrow is the plan. Yeah, we've loved watching you from afar and your toughest game so far against New Zealand and you're on a collision course again this weekend and the game to be played at one of the greatest grounds in the world, Old Trafford. Yeah, it is. And, and look, what an impact that had on the team yesterday when we went out to to spend some time there and we got half an hour on the pitch it's a, an amazing uh, spectacle just being just being out there so um, the girls are pumped uh, we had our, our final captain's run today which went really really well and um, they can't wait to be honest mate um, get out there and um, you know the first women's rugby league game to ever take place on on Old Trafford Oval so they're uh, they're, they're really looking forward to it. Yeah, so it's been a good tournament so far for you, Brad. So 10-8 in the pool game against New Zealand. There's a few changes. I know you've announced your squad for the final. Uh, a few changes from the last time you played them? Yeah, we pretty much just got the, the one change. One of the one of the great things we've been able to do, we've got a really strong 24. Um, yeah, everybody's played at least two games. Some of the girls that aren't playing are playing three games. And what that did was it, it actually gave us the opportunity to, to rest seven out of our players in, in the, in the uh, semi-final. So 
Um, the real, the the only real change from last um, game is that we'll have uh, Varney Politi playing on the wing instead of Jamie Chapman, who's been outstanding as the youngest player here at the at the tournament. Um, but yeah, on the on, on the game, I, I know we, we we defended really really well and um, we were we were quite poor with our attack, made 17 mistakes. So we know we can be a whole lot better. So we're we're hoping it's not as you know it's a, it's a much um, you know it's a much better performance tomorrow. Hey, Brad, uh, the superstar Isabel Kelly is in the team, of course, uh, from the Central Coast, and also not in the team, but also part of the touring squad, Olivia Koenig, who we're all incredibly proud of. Could you talk about her performance at the World Cup? Oh, look, she's another one. She played three games, so you know, she could have easily have been in the, in the side. Um, I think, you know, just the, it shows the depth of the game that we've got in Australia when two of the players that didn't originally even get picked for the squad of 24 are playing in the final. So um, there's been a lot that's gone into, you know, how much, how many minutes these players have played, their injuries. So um, Olivia is, is a terrific young lady. Um, one of the things that, that we have around the, around the jersey is you can be a great player, but if you're not a good character, you, you know, you won't get the chance to wear the jersey. But, um, wow. What an amazing young lady, just like, just like Izzy um, and, and the rest of the team. Um, she'll wear the jumper for, for a long time. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of Kezi Apps, um, but 10 years ago. So um, it's, it's, a, it's a fair wrap on, on, on Olivia. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Gary and I this morning, we read with interest that all of the Jillaroos had to reach out to a former Jillaroo to find out what it meant to them to wear the jumper. Can you elaborate on that story for us? Yeah, sure, mate. Just one, one of the things that, you know, I've been around the, the team for a very long time in the women's game for, for, for 10, of, 10 of the years. And um, I just think it's really, really important that those, those ladies at the moment stand on the, on the shoulders of, of some giants. There's some ladies that sold cars and, they're just so. They're actually a lot of them are really, really big fans of the ladies now. They don't. They, they don't resent at all the fact that you know they now get paid. They get business class flights to the UK, and I just thought it would be a really humbling experience for them to to chat to someone. And, and you know, we shed a few tears over over some of the stories because um, it's really, really important to know where you're from. So you can live in the moment. You can make sure you hand the jersey over in a better place. So that's really the thinking behind it, mate. Yeah, g'day, Brad. The, 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 I suppose one of the joys of, of going away as a, as a team is that you take a, a squad of 24, you mentioned, and there's always some players who really, really excel throughout the, the, the time that you're away. So can you name some of those players who've really probably not so much exceeded your expectations, because you're, you're, you'd be having high expectations for, for him anyway, but have really, really come along well on this tour. Yeah, look, when you take away a bunch of superstars, it's hard to single some out, but I'll do my best. <laughs> um, I, I think, um, <laughs> you know, like Emma Tonegato, she's, she's a superstar. She's a superstar in rugby. She's been a superstar with the Dragon. She's a Dalian medalist. I played her at fullback, hooker and lock. She's never played those two positions before, yet she's playing it on the world stage and she's ended up with a couple of player of the match performances. Um, Taryn Aiken was named yesterday in the World World Team, which was the best of the wheelchair, best of the men and the females. She's been absolutely terrific. 
some of the players like Jamie Chapman who might not be in the final, you know, she she scored a hat trick earlier in the in the piece and scored a number of tries and you know, we'll have a highlights package um longer than, you know, most of us have ever had in our career. So these are they're, they're even some players that, that aren't in the in the final squad. So but they they've all been impressive, really, really mature young ladies who have done a great job. You should just see that, you know, They've got such a, a cult following everywhere they go just because of the interactions they have with people on the street or in the hotel. They're just a, a great bunch. Uh, Brad, give us your thoughts on this New Zealand team and where you think their firepower is. I mean, just taking a look at their team list, their forward pack, obviously. They've got some size there and power and skill. But give us your breakdown of how you think the game's going to play out. It'll be tough. It'll be really tough, and especially the first 20 minutes. Um, you know, we're just we're banking on them being. They'll be a bit more fatigued than us because they've had a. A lot of their players have played all five games. We've at least, you know, the majority of our players in the in the final squad have played three, and a couple have played only played four. And like I said, seven of them are fresh. We've really got to get through the first 20 minutes. They'll stick it to us. They were a lot quicker than us in the ruck. Um, in the last game, which sort of they slowed the game right down and that played into their hands. So we're, we're looking to do some things around there. And I think our girls, um, they've got a bit clunky when we didn't score. We were so used to scoring in those those, um, those first couple of games that um, they'll be a lot more patient tomorrow. And, um, yeah, and we're going to need all 80 minutes to, to win it. But um, I I think uh we've certainly we we definitely have the um we definitely have the talent and we definitely have the desire to win it on the 80th minute. Hey Brad, take us inside the mindset of a coach. You've probably dreamt about this moment ever since you won it last time in Brisbane, but everything's been geared toward this moment in the UK. Uh just give us your thoughts and and about your mindset as well. Yeah, look, one of the things I love to do is visualise and get the team to, to buy into the vision. And um, a couple of years ago, we met on the Gold Coast and we had a big picture of Old Trafford as a stadium on the on the wall. And, and I was just I just got them to start thinking about it. And I said, look, you know, guys, 19th of November, it was actually a different date last year. I can't remember what, what <laughs> date it was. It was meant to be, I think it was, I think it was meant to be the, the 27th of November, to be honest, um, in 2021. But when it got pushed back, so we're talking about it. So we're saying, imagine how cold it's going to be. Imagine the dreary weather in, in the north of England. And, you know, yesterday when we when we went out onto, onto Old Trafford, we actually, you know, at the end of the training session, we got in a group and we all linked arms and, and we and we took a moment and there was 15 of those players that remember, remember that conversation it started raining it was bloody cold and um and it was just it was just a really good it was really good you know like just building that dream and that vision um and to be standing there you know we've still got a job to do tomorrow but um you know we're, we're three quarters of the way through just one thing on Old Trafford and also a lot of the other grounds over there, Brad, is that because they're actually played on a lot of a lot of them are actually on, on soccer pitches there and the and the dimensions aren't as, aren't the same as what you play on over here. Does that make a big difference in, in the way that the game is played? It certainly makes a difference in terms of yeah, I think um, you know, we, we we've run the ball on the on the on the last tackle a lot if we've been in good field position. Um it's tricky. It's a it's a really tricky in goal to kick to because 
Uh, and the Old Trafford looks smaller than what we're playing on at York, and, and it rolls away quite quickly. The soccer grounds don't allow you to have more than, I think, five or six metres of in-goal. So, um, yeah, we definitely ch- changed our, our, our kicking game a fair bit. Um, and that's, that's prob- and, and run the ball on the last a bit. But, but outside of that, um, yeah, everything else is, is pretty much the same, mate. Hey, Brad, when you came on my podcast, The Perfect Ten, you mentioned about the way that women's professional sport is, is viewed in the UK. What differences have you noticed since you've been over there? Yeah, well, look, I, I, know, I definitely know that um, I actually had a, the, the English coach resigned after his press conference and the new, the new English coach came in today with somebody who does my role at the NRL and, and we're discussing this today. And they in rugby league, they need a, a bit of a hand and a bit of a push. And they were just saying that it's their female sport is funded really, really well by the government here in, in, um, in the UK through their lottery. Um, but right, that's the only investment that rugby league gets. Um, so it's time for them to start in, investing in the game. But they were talking about all of the other women's sports and how um, they've got a, they've actually got a, a like a, a 15s rugby scene here, which is professional, um, which is great for for rugby league as well because there's a number of girls that can cross over. And when the Super League gets uh, a, a little bit um, more status, they seem to think that they'll. I'll see a lot more of those those players come across, and they'll be ready to play in big games like this. So, there's definitely investment in women's sport here, and um, and um, you know we'll, we'll give the we'll give the English a little bit of a hand, not too much of a hand, because it's only three years until we uh, play again in in, in uh, France. Yeah, Brad. Uh, tomorrow morning is it's a brutal time slot for Australian viewers. The men's game is at three a.m. Uh, have you had much to do with Mal and? What's the feeling like taking on Samoa? And what a win they had last week against England, 27-26. What a game that'll be. What a moment for International Rugby League. Yeah, anyone that knows Mal knows he's a true internationalist as well. And, um, yeah, spent a bit of time with him um, since we've come across to to Manchester. And, uh, you know, like he's been asked that question a number of times as and uh, it is great. You know, we want to see the international game flourish. It's, um, there's, great, there's a great opportunity for us to get rugby league seen in, in many more countries. And I think as the World Cup gets bigger and more people will watch their local heroes from these emerging nations play in the NRL, and it's only a good thing for our sport. So, um, yeah, the big fella, he was, he was, uh, it was a little bit weary because it's been a long... It's been a long uh, it's been a long campaign in the cold up here, but uh, he's, he's definitely looking forward to playing against Samoa tomorrow. And, um, yeah, we're, we're both pretty happy with where we're at with, with both of our teams. Yeah, it's going to be incredible. Not sure whether it's filtered back to you in the UK, but there's been so much debate back home over whether Nathan Cleary or Daly Cherry Evans wears the seven jumper. But, mate, we'll let you get some beauty sleep. Uh, best Best wishes. Let's hope you can do it again. Congratulations on everything you've achieved so far and good luck in the Rugby League Women's World Cup Grand Final at Old Trafford. Brad Donald, thanks for your time. Thanks very much, Steve, and thanks, Gary. Appreciate your time. Brad Donald joining us live from the UK on Saturdays on the Coast. We're live from West Track, and I've got to tell you, it's all happening here. There's plenty of boys here nice and early. It's like big boys' toys. They're ready for action up here. 
It's amazing, isn't it? Uh, just talking to some of them earlier on about the machinery and just uh, just the technology that goes into them now. It's um, yeah, pretty exciting, actually. Uh, and the price tag. And the price tag, yes. And, and, you know, it doesn't take too long to get your ticket. So I thought it might be, you know, maybe a six-month or a one-year process, but you can be up and running within a week. Yeah, it looks amazing, isn't it? And, uh, like, we're up here at, at Tomago, and this, this is their actual training centre where we are right now. So I can just see you out there on one of the big boys' toys out there, Steve. Yeah, and a lot of these guys, so they registered nice and early, but you can actually show up on the day. Yeah, yeah, they, they said they think they had something like 40-odd registrations, but they are expecting a, a turn up on the day. So, look, it, the other thing we spoke about, Steve, before is that just the, the lack of actually skilled, skilled workers in, in this field. And, you know, I think Robson was saying if they could get 50 experienced trade people, they, they'd employ them right now, drivers right now. Yeah, well, let's hope we get some today. Exactly. Hey, uh, by the way, uh, what were your thoughts of Brad Donald? Because he's done this before. Uh, just a fantastic guy. Grew up on the Central Coast, played some footy with a rimba. Yeah, look, fantastic. They're doing a fantastic job with the Gillaroos. And look, I always, always believe that, that, that this type of role is a tough role as a coach because you're actually there looking to to get the best performance out of your, your team. That's your number one priority. But growing the game is also your ambassador for the for the world game as well. So you you want to see the, the game grow, but you also then want to be ruthless as yourself, you know, as a coach of arguably the best best women's side in, in the world. So it's a, it's a two hats that he's wearing, but he's done exceptionally well. And look, he mentioned as well, the squad that he's taken over there, you go through it, it's not so much the, the, the women that have actually picked in the side, it's the women who didn't make it, the quality of that that, that really, you know, that makes that stand out, the side stand out even more. Yeah, a couple of girls stayed home too. So yeah. Millie Boyle, who won the premiership with the Newcastle Knights, and also mm. Tamika Upton, the superstar fullback, mm. they're not in the UK. So imagine if they're in the squad. Hey, by the way, if you get a chance, there's an article that came out on the ABC earlier and that's where it talks about them reaching out to former Gillaroos. So it's a fantastic article written by John Healy. It also says that once upon a time, the girls would pay their own way to a World Cup. This time, they flew business class. Look, and that, you know, that probably illustrates uh, firsthand the, you know, where women's sport has actually come. You know, like I said before, especially in, in the... In the predominantly male codes, is that you know they're an afterthought. You get your own way there, run your own little tournament. But now they're actually fully fledged tournament on their own. And, and as you mentioned, you know they've faded like superstars everywhere they go, and they walk down the streets and and look. And you know a lot of the girls better than certainly better than what I do. But they're great ambassadors for 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 the code and the, the country as well, and, and very uh, very likable people. Yeah. Speaking of women's sport, uh, the new assistant coach of the West Coast Fever is coming up soon. Nerida Stewart joining us soon on Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, welcome back. We're live at the Robson Civil Projects Open Day. Robson Civil Projects celebrating their 60th anniversary, and we're at West Track, and, I mean, it's mind-blowing the size of this location right near Newcastle Airport. Hey, Chris Dixon is back, Business Development Manager with Robson Civil Projects. You just told us, you, you spoke about your cricket career earlier this morning, and you just told us that you've been selected in some special squad. Give us the lowdown. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Um, yeah, I was lucky enough to play two weeks ago, three weeks ago in the uh, state championships for the over-40s. The first time the over-40s have been uh, entered into the Masters arena. And I've been lucky enough to be selected in the over-40s New South Wales team. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, great stuff. Burko? 
Yeah, look, that's a fantastic achievement. I actually knew about the um, the tournament that actually was played on the Central Coast, and it was very, very successful. And uh, to have the Nationals back, it's the first time they've actually had the 40s, and uh, the Nationals are also being held on the Central Coast this week. So there are actually eight from the Central Coast in the side, two from Newcastle, which Dicko is, is one, obviously Joe Price, and a couple from Sydney. So how do you reckon you'll go, Dicko? I think we'll go all right. It's a pretty strong side. Obviously, Central Coast won the state championships three weeks ago um, and showed their class. Um, with a few of us other boys scattered in the team, I think we'll, uh, I think we'll give it a shake. Now, we- can you name some names? Like, are there some guys that have had illustrious careers? Well, from the set, Jeff Hemming, Sean Robertson. Um, yeah, I think former Australian country players, Joe yeah, Price. Joe uh, Price, yeah. Uh, I was going to say, you could stop the fight after mentioning those two guys. Yeah, exactly right. And the beauty with the over 40, and, and, and veterans cricket is just, you know, it's just growing and growing. It's the fastest, fastest growing uh, part of cricket at the moment. And the over 40s, what makes it so, um, you know, so good is that they're all still playing cricket. Like we've got Dicko here who's playing first grade Newcastle. Joe Price could still be playing representative cricket. Um, yeah, Joey's, um, I think he's captain of the Hunter Thoroughbreds in the uh, Plan B uh, Big Bash. So, yeah, he's, he's and playing first grade for West in yeah. Newcastle. And let's look at the highest levels of sport. So Cameron Smith plays into his 40s. Uh, in the sport that I love, which is ski paddling or kayaking, you see guys win national titles or national medals well into their 40s because as a man, you get physically stronger as you get older. And, so, and then you've only got to look at NFL American football. At uh, yeah, the greatest quarterback of all time. That's right, and Tom Brady. And, and normally with the, the veterans cricket, it sort of slows down as they get older. But so these are still very, very competitive cricketers, all playing, still playing a high level. So I think we made a comment that the Central Coast side that was picked to play in the state championship probably would have made the finals of the local first grade competition. That was that was the standard side they had, and the majority of them are still playing first grade cricket. Sean Robertson actually was player of the match, uh, made 97 in last year's first grade grand final, still scoring runs at first grade level. But, Dicko, so you mentioned also is that so you've got the national championships next week, but that's not the end of it. There, there is even greater goals ahead of that. Yeah, there is. So out of this national championships uh, at the end of November, they'll pick an Australian team to go to a tour of New Zealand in February. And then there's a World Cup in, uh, of all places, Karachi, Pakistan in August next year. Yeah, do you think you're a chance? Like, uh, seriously, like give yourself a wrap if need be. Oh, look, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in with a chance. I'm there. I'm, I hope to open the bowling and uh, have, give it a red-hot red crack. Have you actually seen the size from the other states? Have they ever been announced? Because it would be really interesting to see. You know, I'd, I'd be surprised there's not first-class cricketers, former first-class cricketers, who aren't representing other states. And, and you know what? That's a great thing for the sport. It's like uh, one time I did the World Masters Games, and you see some Olympians come and have a crack at that level, and it just adds credibility to what everyone's trying to achieve. Yeah, it certainly does. And, uh, and I'll give you an example. Paul Lamont from the Central Coast swam against Chris Feidler, who was in the Sydney 2000 Olympics. Yeah. Uh, at the kayaking, you had guys that had competed at Olympic Games. And, yeah, it's a fantastic thing for Masters sport, isn't it? Yeah, so I think next week on the Central Coast, is it, you, it won't be your typical veterans cricket. It'll be very, it will be very, very competitive on field. Still enjoy, it'll still have the veterans feel about it after play, but on field, Dicko, I think you agree, it will be very, very competitive on oh, the field. Absolutely, Gary, and I think we've all got a, we've all got that uh, competitive sparkle in our eye, and we want to, we want to give it a crack. It'll be played within the right spirit, though, which is, which is what we all want. Um, yeah, just really looking forward. To, I think we kick off our campaign against South Australia next Sunday at Tugra. So, yeah, how good.
Yeah. yeah, fantastic. Hey, we've kept this lady waiting way too long. Uh, Nerida Stewart is on the line and, you know, she was on our show last week and I think she could have slipped in this bombshell, this big announcement. You know, we like a scoop on the sports show. Instead, we had to find out secondhand on Monday with NBN TV. Nerida Stewart, good morning. And we pass on our disappointment at not getting first crack at this announcement. <laughs> I knew I'd pop this this morning. <laughs> Sorry about that, fellas. But, yes, exciting news, and it's very hard to keep that sort of stuff under wraps for a period of time, but it's out in the open now, which I'm feeling a lot more comfortable with. Yeah, so the announcement is new assistant coach of the West Coast Fever, the Premiers, in Suncorp Super Netball. So congratulations. Tell us how everything came about. Um, look, I, I had a chat with uh, Dan Ryan when we were on tour and, and he had um, asked whether I was interested in, in submitting an expression of interest to apply for the assistant role and um, I sort of had a bit of a think about it and then decided that I'd put my name forward and then went through the process with him and Sue Gordian and um, yeah, it all came about when I was in Christchurch and got offered the position when I was away with the men so I had to keep it under wraps over there as well so... Really excited about the opportunity to work with Dan and the Fever Girls and um, go over and, and have a new experience as a coach and as a person as well. It's going to be pretty exciting. But, um, yeah, big, big changes for Ned in 2023. <laughs> hey, she just spoke about herself in third person. You know I love that. <laughs> yeah, Nerida Gary Birkinshaw here. Congratulations on the appointment. What actually attracted you to take the role with the Fever? Uh, look, Dan's been someone that I've sort of kept in touch with for a long period of time. We, we met about six years ago in a leadership course and uh, since then we've followed each other's sort of coaching experiences and shared notes and stuff. So he's someone that I really admire as a coach and the opportunity to work alongside him is something that I would, you know, always dreamt about doing. And I think Fever are a real family-orientated club and they really push for, you know, excellence continually and... Who wouldn't want to coach in front of the Green Army? That crowd's insane. So um, I'm really excited about the, to get the opportunity to go over there. I think it'll be something that my coaching sort of repertoire will, will fit nicely into. So um, fingers crossed anyway. Yeah, we'll talk about their premiership winning team in a moment. But if you followed his career, you'd know that he came on my podcast, The Perfect Ten, and he spoke about losing 27 games in a row, having to go to the UK and basically resurrect his career and I mean it's one of the best stories in Australian sport in my opinion do you agree? Oh absolutely I think um, you know watching Dan he came through as, a, as quite a young coach and then got the opportunity with Thunderbirds and it wasn't obviously the experience that, that he wanted as a coach and took some lessons out of that and went over and sort of developed uh, as a coach over in England and, and we shared a lot of similarities at that point because I had as much as he'd come out of his Thunderbirds experience, I then went into a similar one myself uh, with a Premier League side. And, and so um, he had a lot of learnings that he could could put forward to me. So I think he's just um, a formidable coach and someone that, you know, is great for the game of netball to have his knowledge and, and just his personality as well um, involved in the FSN competition. Yeah, Nerida, so you've had a great success, as obviously, with the men's national coach. We spoke about that last week. What does this role do for your position there? 
Uh, one of the points that I'd spoken with Dan and Sue and Fever about was that it was really important for me to retain my position with the men's program and it was something that was a bit of a non-negotiable for me and they were really welcoming to be able to support that and I think, you know, Dan having that history of, of being involved in the men's space as an Australian captain and and also Fever have got, you know, uh, four male training partners with their program so that, that was something that was, you know, not a big deal for them and they're really happy to be able to support that. I think the men's international program tends to fall in the latter half of the year, um, which complements, you know, a 12-month cycle for me as a coach really well, given that the Suncorp sort of runs until July this year. I can focus in on that and then switch my, my focus back into the men's in the, in the back half of the year. The uh, West Coast Fever, their premiership team, well, the first time they've ever won in 25 years, so... They've gone to the promised land, but one of your key roles, and you said to me during the interview with MBN TV, is you're almost a fresh set of eyes so they don't have a hangover. Can you elaborate more on that for us? Yeah, I think, um, look, going in, everyone knows as a coach, going into that, that year after you've won a big premiership is a bit of a nerve-wracking experience because you're trying to work out whether you, do you stick with what you've delivered the year before or do you come in and try something new and... I think, you know, obviously the ingredients to his success were there and sometimes you just need to tweak it a little bit. And I think he's just really keen and I know the girls are really keen to, to just get someone to come in and have a fresh look at what they're delivering out on court, what they're delivering as a team and a program and hopefully I can give a little, in, little bit of input into, you know, some few tweaks that might enable them to bring home a, a, um, another premiership next year, which would be great. And they've actually added to their roster... Yeah, they well, they lost Stacey Francis. Um, she's gone back home over to the UK and they've filled her position with Kim Jenner, which is a fantastic pick-up. And I got to watch uh, Kim run out on court in the Fast Five series recently in Christchurch. And I think she's just a, a great attribute to, to bring into the side. And they've pretty much kept the rest of their lineup uh, the same, which is I think is great because everyone knows having that consistency in, in your lineup and your team unity is, is something that you know you can go to when things start to get tough. And I'm sure that the rest of the SSN competition are going to come out fever with all uh, all guns blazing and, and ready to take them on and take them down. So I think the continuity is going to be really good and play in their favour. Hey Nerida, how would you coach someone like Janiel Fowler? So statistically, the greatest goal shooter I think. Suncorp Super Netball has ever seen. So how do you deal with a player and a personality like that in the side? Look, I think um, my, my feelings about any sport is that you, you're always uh, got room for improvement. So she is a formidable athlete, but I'm sure with her, to keep her motivated and to keep her pushing through and, and performing the way that she is, I think she'll always be looking for things that she can do better. Um, and I suppose with any person, it's, it's getting to understand what that is for her and seeing how we can, you know, work together to be able to, to drive that. And um, at the end of the day, it's get the ball in the hole. Like, she's a shooter. Like, shoot it through. That's what she needs to do. So she does quite a good job of that. So it's, um, you know, finding other ways that we can that we can sort of complement her game and also address the fact that people will be coming at her and, um, and really trying to, to shut her down because she is a force down in that shooting end. Gee, you must be looking forward to working with uh, some leaders like Courtney Bruce and also Verity Simmons, who's already reached out to you. Yeah, it's been really exciting. The girls have been fantastic. They've all uh, given me a call or, or sent me a message and, and expressed how 
excited they are to get me over there and I think that they're super pumped to just have, like you said before, some fresh eyes but they've also watched what's been happening in the men's space so they're, they're sort of really keen and they've also really recognised the sacrifice that, that I'm making to come over and work with them and um, they're, they're very, very excited about the 2023 season. Yeah, Nerida, you just spoke there, mentioned about sacrifices. Just explain a little bit about the sacrifices actually being made, not only by you, but also your family for to enable you to, to continue your, your netball dream. Yeah, it's, it's a big thing. I've, a lot of people have sort of questioned to me in the last week, you know, oh, is the whole family moving over? And I, I was like, no, like, it's, it's, as anyone knows, we I've got five children and, and that's really difficult to uproot them and move them over to the other side of the country. So I think um, in speaking with my, my hubby Cam, who is just ridiculously supportive of this, he was, you know, you've supported us and my career for 25 years. It's time for us to, to support you. And, you know, I can't thank him and the, and the kids enough and my extended family and friends that have just, you know, already lining up visits and, and how that they can stay in contact. But it, it is a big sacrifice, but one that Fever have, have really come to the party with to support me and do everything they can to make sure I can keep my, my cup filled with my family and get a few visits home. So um, it's just a, a great opportunity and one that, as a coach, you realise these sort of things don't come around very often and you've got to grab them when they're there. Hey, can you believe we're getting the wind-up from our producer, Adam Staples, back at headquarters. But I did notice, and it's probably old news now, but Ramelda Raken coming to the New South Wales Swifts. Yeah, she's coming as a training partner. Um, Sammy Wallace obviously has uh, had that horrible knee injury last year and they've, they've got Ramelda in and, and there's a lot of, lot of chit-chat going around about, you know, will we see her out there if Sammy's not ready and... I've seen her back at training and stuff, and she's uh, ripping and ready to go. So it could bring a completely new dynamic to the to the uh, competition for the Swifts this year. Yeah. Hey, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Congratulations. Round of applause from uh, the guru, Gary Birkinshaw, and myself. Well done. Off to the West Coast thanks. Fever for a, a camp next month and then relocating yeah. there for seven months in the new year. Nerida Stewart, thanks for your time. Thanks, fellas. Really appreciate it. Yeah, one of our favourites, Nerida Stewart, off to the West Coast Fever as the assistant coach under Dan Ryan. We'll go to a quick break here. Hey, in the second hour, we've got a couple of great interviews. Yesterday, you may have seen when we posted it on our Facebook page, it was the Trojan Row, 24 hours. Solomon Hormono, a former Manly, Canterbury. Uh, he played at the London Broncos, played for New South Wales, played for Australia during the Super League era. Also, heavyweight boxing champion. He spent one hour on the rower. <laughs> that is just amazing. <laughs> I saw the clip of him doing that. And I, for anyone who's actually been, you know, had the experience on a rower in the gym, <laughs> one hour. Yeah, and they're hoping to raise $40,000. I reckon in the last couple of minutes, he would have been at 220 beats per minute. He was flogging himself, yeah. but well done to him and well done to everyone involved. That was at the Impact Centre at Erina. We'll talk more about that in the second hour. This is Saturdays on the Coast, live from West Track and the Robson Civil Projects Open Day on SEN. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, good morning. We're live at uh, West Track at the Robson Civil Projects Open Day, and some of the uh, boys 
coming back after test driving some of this equipment. And you can just see the look on their face. Oh, they certainly like do. Big Red here just came back. He loved it. He's been on numerous pieces of equipment or plant this morning. Yeah, yeah, so just come off the roller. Not his first time on the roller, but uh, I think they all come back. They're all excited here, waiting to have their turn. And it's a, it's a hive of activity out there at the moment. They're all, all the machinery's going. And we mentioned earlier, fantastic opportunity. Robson's got plenty of employment opportunities available. Um, so, so look, the people are turning up today, you know, with you know, having to take advantage of some of those opportunities. Yeah, and who knows where it's going to lead for them in their career. Well, exactly right. And, you know, why wouldn't you want to work for Robson? You know, 60 years, fantastic, uh, fantastic employer. Um, and, you know, look, yeah, what more can you say? Yeah, third-generation family business. Hey, uh, just on local cricket, you were telling me while we were carpooling on the way up on the road trip, there was a player last week in second grade that took all 10 wickets. Yeah, Bryce uh, Burke. Amazing. Yeah, Bryce Burke's playing for King Cumber Evoker against Warnerville <laughs> in the second grade competition. 10 for 28 of 17 overs. Fantastic performance. Obviously been done previously. I, I couldn't go back through the record books and let you know when. But Well, the, well you could if they were available. <laughs> well, that's going to be another <laughs> They're thing. They're under but, lock and key. But the interesting part was he actually got nine for, if you can take nine for really quickly, but it took a long time to actually get that 10th wicket. So, look, you know, fantastic uh, Bloke Bryce, he's been promoted to first grade this week. And why wouldn't you after taking 10? But a great uh, great servant of the King Cumber Cricket Club. And, look, congratulations. I mean, Warnavar were, um, were very good as well. They actually gave him a, a guard of honour as, as he come off. So, uh, look, well done to him. And, uh, look, there's been a, a number of some, some good performances. That 10 was on the back of, well, Josh Bridge also took 10 wickets in first grade. That was over the match in their outright win, terrible match in outright win over Brisbane Water. And, you know, even last week, you know, Brock Hardy started the season with three consecutive hundreds for the entrance. So, you know, some good, good uh, performances. Was there a tail that wagged where they faced 200 balls? Another fantastic performance at, at the other other end, really. So, the entrance were playing Wong last week. Wong uh, were in all sorts of trouble. Looked like facing an outright defeat after the entrance got 350 in their first innings. And, and their, eight, sorry, their ninth wicket partnership actually survived almost 30 overs to deny an outright victory with Kane Wilson finishing on 14. Lachlan Ranger got it dismissed for nine, but that actually saved them from an outright defeat. And, and who knows where that will lend, lead them actually to the end of the year. Those points that they gained by just surviving uh, could be the difference between missing, missing the four and, uh, and, and making it. So good on them. They could have tossed it in, but they hung in there against a pretty... Pretty vocal, the entrance outfit, I believe, as they were getting quite frustrated. Yeah, and the two favourites are on top at the moment. So, uh, Northern Power and also the entrance? Yep, they've been the standout performers so far. And uh, we mentioned that at the beginning of the year. So, uh, look, yeah, it'll take a good side to beat them. We're off to the news. Uh, loving this open day for Robson Civil Projects at Tomago at West Track. Saturdays on the coast on SEN. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, welcome back live to Tomago. It's the Robson Civil Projects Open Day at West Track, and we're talking to some of the boys here, and great to get their feedback on what they've driven so far and what they find is the hardest piece of equipment. Yeah, excavator they come back with. Uh, they said that that's the hardest part, because very <laughs> sticky, they said, to, to, to manoeuvre. But um, you've got plenty to get out there. You've got the trucks, you've got the roller, 
Got the skid table there. It's um, plenty, you can. There is something there for everybody. Uh, and there's a brand new piece of equipment that's come off the back of a semi-trailer with, uh, I believe, just over 200 hours on the clock. 289 hours. Pin code apparently just started. What do you reckon that would be worth? Uh, I reckon it's like uh, your own little Lamborghini out there or Maserati. Like it's uh, the, a small fortune. $250,000, I said. So that's uh, it's an interesting <coughs> bit of equipment, but. Uh, that's what happens when you play with the, the big toys. And uh, look, you know, we had one gentleman there just straight out of school. Straight yeah. out of school, getting, going to get into the construction industry. And we mentioned who better to work for than, than Robson's uh, civil projects. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, so they've got an affiliation with numerous high schools on the Central Coast. And yeah. that's something they're really keen to pursue in the future is that school-to-work program. So you step straight out of high school into a career in civil engineering. Hey, by the way, the take three for the sea, uh, Ocean Swim is on today at Umina. Uh, my beautiful wife, Sharon, has just competed. She said they had to go through a lot of sets, about five to six sets in a row before they could get into open water. And she said uh, she's around about the third or fourth female out of the water. So she's delighted with that. She did the 1K event. Uh, there's also a 2K swim. Yeah, that's a great performance by Sharon. And look, when you go to your minor, you're probably sort of hoping that it's probably going to be a little bit flatter than some of the other uh, beaches on the on the central coast, but uh, certainly a bit rough there to get out. But that's, that's a fantastic performance. Yeah, and next week we're hoping to do our show live. Like our people are talking with Toowoom Bay Surf Club, so they've got the beautiful Toowoom Bay Ocean Swim next weekend. Just on take three for the sea. So you probably know this already, Gary, but... Take Three is a leading movement of people who are connected to the planet and removing plastic pollution from the environment. So, as the name suggests, if you can, when you go to a waterway, maybe take three things with you so we can minimize pollution in our waterways. Yes, yeah, certainly is, and it's a very, very important cause that is. And, and look, it's a great initiative, yeah, that the Take Three and yeah, just to, to that. You think that picking up three bits of rubbish or bits of plastic makes no difference, but it makes a huge difference. It's a, it, it is one of the biggest issues with our waterways. Um, so if everyone can chip in and help that, that's fantastic. Yeah, right. it's the first time it's been held on the Central Coast too at, at your minor, the Take Three for the Sea Ocean Swim, and good numbers too. I think last night, and they would have had a lot of people roll up this morning, but last night I think they had about 150, 160 across three different categories, so 400, 1K and 2K. Hey, there's a guy waiting patiently on the line. I think he's in the Queensland capital. He's our favourite motor racing driver. It's Lightning Luke King. Standing ovation for hey. Lightning Luke. I think he likes to be called LLK these days because uh, he's got a rap career on the side. LLK, good morning, mate. Uh, good morning, mate. I, I don't know about that, but uh, yeah, look, if, if, if you want to intro me as uh, the next Slim Shady, then that's fine with me. <laughs> uh, we want to talk specifically about the final event of the season, so at Bathurst, which in, in, in years gone by, it's been a happy hunting ground for you, but what unfolded last weekend? Oh, mate, we uh, we probably got uninvolunta- or involuntarily involved in um, in some championship <laughs> deciders. Um, we were, you know, pretty pretty happy to mind our own business uh, over the weekend. You know, we uh, for people who who follow the TCR Australia series, we weren't fighting for a championship, which um, was actually quite nice to go to Bathurst and just you know not not have any pressure on us and really focus on on trying to get a good result for the weekend. Um, 
So, yeah, we we struggled a bit in qualifying. Uh, we didn't quite have the set-up knowledge just being a, a small team. So we kind of we got there on, you know, Saturday morning um, in qualifying. It was, it was a little bit tough for us, but uh, my engineer, Tony Woodward, who is Andre Heimgartner's engineer in supercars, um, we worked really hard on, on the Friday night to, to put a good car together for me in qualifying, and we managed to just settle in outside the top 10 behind Michael Caruso and Will Brown. And, uh, yeah, race one turned into an absolute ship fight, to be honest. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, there was cars all over the place. And, uh, unfortunately, Jordan Cox, uh, who is one of the main contenders for the championship, um, ran into me at the cutting and, uh, yeah, destroyed our race and, and ruined his championship. Yeah, Luke. Well, that's 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 pretty disappointing, really. And uh, uh, so, what was the outcome of the of the day? So, who who were the big winners? And uh, and I suppose just gives a bit of summary of your season. Yeah, sure. So, I, I think across the weekend, um, you know, like the the story going into the weekend was that Jordan Cox in in the Peugeot was um, you know probably a fair shot at winning the championship. He was you know only forty or so points off Tony D'Alberto in the Honda, um, and it, you know the Peugeot and Jordan had been quite strong um, at Bathurst over, over the last year. Um, so I think everyone thought that he was going to have a fair old run at it, and. Um, he somehow managed to, to come into contact with uh, James Moffat, who was his teammate uh, in qualifying. So as I've driven out of pit lane up over Mountain Strait, uh, I saw Moffat with a wheel hanging off in the middle of the, middle of the track. And, um, and Jordan was a bit further up the road at turn two. And I just, yeah, I could not believe what, what I was seeing um, to have those two cars go out in, in a warm-up lap of qualifying. Um, so that was kind of, you know, Jordan was, was on the back foot for the weekend. So I think everyone knew that he was going to try and come from the rear of the field. Um, and, yeah, I sort of ended up embroiled in, in a few penalty conversations because um, <laughs> we just got bashed around on, on the weekend, mate. Um, you know... Michael Caruso uh, moved over on myself and Will Brown going up Mountain Straight, and we almost had a, a monumental accident um, going going up the straight, similar to what happened at the Bathurst 1000. Um, so, so, yeah, I found myself uh, doing a, a TV interview with Chris Stubbs um, at the end <laughs> of race one on, on a uh, on a on a top of a bin lid filling out penalty forms, which uh, which I was right, right to do because they all they all got nailed for it. <laughs> hey, uh, by the way, you can't say anything disparaging about Michael Caruso. Greg Ferguson is here from Robson Civil Projects. Michael Caruso is their man. We're at the open day for Robson Civil Projects. We can't have anything said about Michael Caruso moving in on you at Bathurst. Oh, mate. Well, look, uh, yeah, I was I was proved right by the uh, the driving standards advisor, Alex Alex Davidson. So I don't know, Greg. I don't know. Say say your piece, mate. Michael got penalised. It wasn't my fault. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Lightning, Luke. Uh, it must have been a really frustrating year for you. I mean, Bathurst is a place where you've won on numerous occasions, where you've been super fast. Gee, you've had some drama there over the years as well, including you know, rolling about seven or eight times down in the chase. Uh, like Gary said, just give us your thoughts overall on this season. 
Oh, look, you know, we we came into into the year with um, like we we hadn't done the first two rounds, and you know, we'd struggled to to put our deal together um, from a sponsorship and a financial standpoint. Um, I think we were very lucky to get the deal the, that we did with uh, Michael King, who's no relation to me, but um, happened to, to own a, a, a very good low-kilometre Hyundai i30 that was um, was sitting in his shed. And, you know, we put that deal together over a Zoom call while he was on the Gold Coast. Um, we'd never met before. We'd never met his team. And, you know, we showed up to Bathurst about a week and a half later for, for the third round of the series. And... Um, you know, from from there, we've just it's just been a slow build for us, um, and I think, you know, we've we've been one of the only privateers to make the podium. Uh, we've outperformed the the factory Hyundai team at um, Queensland Raceway. You know, I've, I've been lucky enough to have Jason Bright working with me this year, and we finally got Brighty uh, on the tools. Uh, he's done a fantastic job. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter what type of car he gets behind the wheel. He's had great success, and that includes even going to China and finishing on the podium over there. Yeah, look, he's been great for the sport and great for great represents the Central Coast really, really well. And yeah, it's a, it's a tough sport to be in. You're, you're always the, the the money required to to race, so you're always out there. He's a small private operator to try and get the the sponsorship dollars that required to to actually compete in the on the circuit. Yeah, and he's really the first guy I think since Mark Scaife that's really flying the flag, and you can see how. Much he has to promote the sport. In fact, he's won media awards uh, because he's just done a sensational job. But you know, constantly trying to raise funds, and you know, you see it overseas all the time. A lot of guys are trying to buy their seat. That's exactly how it works at Formula One. It's obviously you have to be a very, very talented driver to even get anywhere. Not only Formula One, Formula Three, any of them. You have to be a very talented driver to even get in it. But that's only half the battle. If you if you can drive a car and you can bring sponsorship dollars with you, you're more likely to get a seat than even someone, who, than someone who's probably a better driver than you. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, uh, we'll talk about the Trojan Row. We teased that in the first hour, so 24-hour row. Uh, but we've got Luke King back on the line. We might just take a break here on Saturdays on the Coast. We'll come back and chat some more with Lightning Luke. You may have heard in the news there's been an announcement on Daniel Ricciardo, so it looks like he's got the third seat with Red Bull. We'll find out more with Luke King right after this. Saturdays on the Coast, live from the Robson Civil Projects Open Day at Tomago at West Track. Back right after this. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, welcome back. Live from the Robson Civil Projects Open Day. We've been loving this and really enjoying talking to some of the boys here that, and, and women that are getting an opportunity. Britta from the Central Coast is uh, also testing out some of the equipment or the plant. And um, we're going to get a guided tour once the show finishes of this magnificent facility here. How good's that? that? I'm really, really looking forward to that. And I said, yeah, for male, female, they're all, all ages are here. So uh, Britta, she wants to drive the truck. And you just beat the people in that mining industry and they reckon that the female truck drivers... Uh, are like gold in the mining industry because they actually look after the trucks. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're more careful and you know, keep their trucks in, in, in pristine condition. So <laughs> mate, there's an opportunity for any, any women out there who, um, you know, who, who likes the, driving the big trucks. You, you, opportunity. Should, you should relay what uh, Chris Dixon sent to us earlier in the week about the opportunities that are available. Like there's 
jobs everywhere for people that want to be in civil construction. Yeah, so what, what you said was it's the first time in 60 years that they've, they've actually had a come and try event, and that's just due to the current lab, labour shortage. And, you know, they, they would actually set out there that, that if, they, if they had 50 people who if they had 50 experienced operators right now, that they would employ them. And, um, you know, that, that's the amount of projects that they've, they've got on. So fantastic opportunity for anyone, uh, for anyone here to, to get into a career with Robson's. Yeah, just before we go back to Luke King, uh, Greg Ferguson with us, the resources manager, and you've been with the business for a couple of decades now. How's the morning gone, and what would you say about some of the new recruits? Oh, look, Steve, we've had some great, uh, we've had some great talent hit the, hit the machines there this morning, and um, like you say, we're, we're in the market for some really good operators, but we believe that... I suppose one of the big things we believe is to, to bring people from the ground up and train them the way uh, we like to be trained and, and safely to operate the plant. It's, it's something that we take pride in, is bringing people through the business. Okay, so some of the guys are testing on numerous pieces of equipment, but you've got some real specialists within your organisation. Now, when I was watching you do a subdivision on the Central Coast, there were some guys there that are leaders, not just in Australia, but maybe worldwide in their field. Tell me more. Yeah, that's right. We've had some um, look. We've we've been very lucky at Robson's over the years to have a lot of high quality plant operators that have come through the business, and and it's it's something that they take pride in. And and you know there, there's there's a lot more to to operating a piece of plant than just sort of sitting in it day to day and getting your paycheck. There's you know there's there's the maintenance requirements of the machinery. There's there's a lot of things that go into it. And and you know to be a really good plant operator. Um, yeah, you need to you need to have a good eye for detail. And I was going to say you need a vision. Oh, mate, big time. Yeah, it's it's something that you need to be able to see that you, you know levels something that you can see level. Mm. I suppose you'd call it, and and you know just to just to see what the finished product in your mind's going to look like. How has technology changed the business? Massive. So in terms of GPS. Oh, the GPS is massive. It's um we've got our, we've got one of our machine control guys here today, and um yeah, look all these machines out here are hooked up with GPS technology. They they can see the whole job from a screen inside the machine, basically. So they can give you a level. They can see what the finished product's going to look like from inside the machine, yeah. Mm. So what's the, the timeline from here, Greg? So we've got people who are coming in here today who've never, ever had any experience whatsoever. So forget from here to on-site, what's the process that you go through? So we start out, we put the... Everyone has a, has a pre-employment medical, mm-hmm. um, which incorporates, like, three elements, and then we move from there... Uh, depending on what sites they're going to go to, if the Hunter, Hunter Valley mining stuff, there'll be inductions and all that sort of stuff that goes on. So, look, it's probably only, in reality, to get into one of these machines. I suppose it's only a oh, two, three week process from 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 never operating a piece of plant right through to to being a competent operator. It's, really? Yeah, that's right. It's 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 a pretty quick process. It's um, and like I say, we've had a lot of success with people from outside of the civil construction industry. We've got a job out at Mudgee at the moment at Malab, and that. You know, we've got a young girl out there that approached us. She was working in the bakery. The boys picked up sausage rolls and pies in the morning mm. and she approached us for a job and we've trained her up from scratch and, yeah, look, one of our great plan operators. Yeah, it must fill your heart with joy seeing people so keen to be a part of the industry. Oh, it's great. It's, and like I say, we take a lot of pride in bringing people through the business that have had nothing to do with civil construction. Hey, you might want to hear this next guy. We'll put a set of headphones on you because uh, this next guy, he might be good for Robson Civil Projects. In fact, uh, it's Lightning Luke King joining us live from Brisbane. We'll get some headphones on you, Fergie. You missed the conversation about Michael Caruso, but what a wild weekend at Bathurst. Uh, Lightning Luke, I know you love Robson Civil Projects. 
do, I do, mate. And it's it's interesting that you guys were up at Tomago there. I've actually, uh, when I was uh, working as a fitter and turner up at the uh, the power stations um, on in the Hunter there, I was uh, I actually got the chance to drive a Caterpillar C11 and dozer, one of the biggest dozers they make, um, up on the the coal the coal uh, the coal site there, and. Uh, couple of front-end loaders, so I'm sure it sounds like everyone's having a lot of fun at the come and try today. Yeah, Fergie just put the headphones on, so he said he drove a, a Caterpillar D11, Lightning Luke King. Oh, did he? How fast, how fast were we going in that, mate? <laughs> <laughs> Only about 10Ks, mate, but I was probably pushing about 10,000 tonnes. <laughs> sounds like a fair bit of dirt. What, um, so what would be your yeah. piece of plan of choice, Luke? Whoa. Um, oh, I know what well, it would be, reckon... an LMP3 car. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100%. Actually, maybe an LMP1. Well, we'll go with the whole hog, I reckon. Um, but if it, if it had to be something that... I, I actually wouldn't mind uh, having a crack at a digger, you know? Like, you know, spinning oh, yeah. around, doing 360s and, you know, digging holes. That, that sounds all right. <laughs> There's a little, yeah. bit, little bit more to it than that, mate. You, you can give it a crack. That sounds good. Hey, uh, Lightning Luke, you, you, you may have heard the news overnight about Daniel Ricciardo. So off to Red Bull as their yeah. number three. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. From from what I've seen so far, unfortunately, my uh, my internet is out at home at the moment, so I haven't been able to watch the <laughs> F1 show. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's um, it's interesting that he's he's going that way. I, I don't think, from what I can see, it's been fully confirmed yet. But um, Helmut Marco, who is the notorious ruthless uh, driver manager at Red Bull Racing, as sounds like he's dropped it in a in an interview um, that he's done with some German media. And, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting that Danny's made that choice. He's obviously going back to his happy place at Red Bull where he, you know, had so much success and, and they obviously gave him his first opportunity in, in F1. So uh, I think it could be a good thing for him to go back to, to his roots. Um, I know that there is a really good Kiwi driver waiting in the wings there named Liam Lawson. Um, so I don't know... Uh, like whether Danny and Liam are going to be the two guys that get put together there. Liam's obviously a lot younger than Danny Rick. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how the dynamic works. So obviously, Max kind of uh, <laughs> uh, slapped Sergio Perez in the face last week in Brazil by not uh, not being a team player and, and giving him his position back. Um, so who knows? what is going to happen with the relationship between Max and Sergio. So if something goes on there and they end Sergio's contract early, Danny Rick could be back in a Red Bull sooner than, than we think. Uh, Luke, how important it was for Danny Rick to actually still stay in the Formula One system to, to, for, the, for his dream to get back as a Formula One driver? Oh, look, I think, you know, he has been saying this whole time that F1 is where his passion's at. He's knocked back drives in IndyCar and and possible opportunities in NASCAR, which I think would have both been massive for him with the personality that he's got. Um, I don't know. It's a very hard question to answer whether he should have actually taken one of the lower Formula One seats or or go down the reserve driver role that that he's done. Um, I think you can see guys like Nico Hülkenberg, uh, Nick DeFries, who have both been reserve drivers for Mercedes-Benz and Aston Martin this year, have now got seats back on the grid. Uh, Hülkenberg is replacing Mick Schumacher. 
<laughs> and DeFries is uh, is replacing Nick Latifi at uh, at Williams. So, um, you know, the reserve driver role is a good spot to be. Um, he can sort of survey what's going on and, and maybe actually have a bit of a breather. I think it's been a really rough time for him at McLaren. Um, so for him to maybe just step back, look at, you know, how it all is working and, and where he really wants to be could be a good thing. And I don't think that... Um, I don't think that it seals the end of his F1 career like a, a lot of people have sort of been saying. Yeah, well, there's an article on Nine's Wide World of Sports and it says that Lawson in the reserve role means Ricardo could move into a development driver role where he mentors young drivers coming through the Red Bull Academy. Uh, Lightning Luke, I'd rather hear what you're up to. What's happening for you in yep. 2023? Mate, well, uh, TCR have, uh, have worldwide have just announced something really exciting, which is the TCR World Tour, um, of which uh, the, last, the final two rounds are going to be here in Australia. So um, it's going to be, uh, I think, four rounds in Europe, three rounds in the Americas, one in Asia and, and two here in Australia. So um, TCR, we, we met a guy named Marcello Lotti, who is the head of the WSC group over in Europe. And they're the governing body who run TCR. So what he's trying to do is create a ranking system worldwide, similar to tennis or golf, where Luke King can be ranked against the number one, or, you know, the, the best, one of the best guys in Europe. And you've got an actual system there where we're all driving the same cars so we can be, we can be ranked against each other. So I think at the moment I'm, I'm ranked 93 out of, you know, over a thousand um, TCR drivers around the world. So we made the, the hottest 100 of, of TCR drivers. So um, I, I think we'll con- continue to, to pursue the TCR stuff. But um, some exciting news. We've, we've been talking to, uh, to one of uh, the, the sports uh, or supercars' um, biggest uh, supercar teams. Um, so we're possibly looking at a Super 2 drive with them for, for next season. But uh, we can't, can't say who it is right now. Yeah, fantastic, mate. I think you should be top 50, uh, but it's great that you've made the hottest 100. Hey, also, can we just, uh, on this interview, your younger brother, Blake King, he's played his final college game of NFL American football. Uh, Tell us more and what, what a superb career. Yeah, no, he's done a great job. Um, he, he luckily got to play his last game at, at a um, stadium called the Fargo Dome uh, in in North Dakota. So uh, that was one of the is is one of the Division One colleges where the Bisons play. Uh, so yeah, he's he's rounded out the season with a heap of highlights, um, a bunch of intercepts, and uh, I think player player of the the match or, or coaches player um, and a, a couple of other awards as well. So. We're super proud of him here. Um, I know that um, now that his college career is, is finished, he uh, is already reaching out to, to teams in Europe and America as a free agent. So, uh, yeah, we don't know what's going to happen with Blakey just yet. But, um, yeah, he could, could be off to Europe to play in the Euro Leagues of the, the NFL. Or, um, yeah, you might, uh, you might see him pop up on social media doing what they call combines, uh, over in the US, which is like a, a scouting area, basically for, for NFL teams. So, um, yeah, I think he's gonna. He'll be going hard over there until till the end of the year to to impress as a free agent, and, and hopefully he gets uh, 
gets picked up on a multi-million dollar contract so he can help me pay for some of my racing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fantastic. There is a third king. There's another sibling, but uh, can they stack? Can they stack up to you and Blake? Oh, look, Grant, Grant stacks up to us big time. He's just the, the quiet, quiet achiever. He's, he's just started his own, uh, his own business in, uh, in the software industry. And, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's, making, he's making waves. And he's probably the best looking of the three King brothers as well. Yeah, right. Gee, that'd be hard uh, because, uh, you know, you're... Steve-O, <laughs> did you know, did you know that Liz Brown, my beautiful girlfriend place well she she lift she competed in her first amateur uh powerlifting competition competition on the weekend she was she weighed in at 49 kilos her heaviest deadlift was 110 kgs and she she is a shot of making the australian national team for her uh for her weight class so uh so lizzie b is is punching in the uh in the sporting arena now as well yeah, I saw that, and it deserves a uh, standing ovation. Uh, just, hey. mag- just magnificent. Hey, we need to leave it there. We're off to the news, but uh, as always, thanks for your time. Lightning Luke King, or LLK, as we like to call you. <laughs> thanks, guys. Have a, have a great Christmas and a happy new year. Yeah, Luke King joining us. Off to the news. Uh, we're back. We'll talk about the Trojan Row, that 24-hour row where Solomon Hormono, the former NRL player and heavyweight boxer, he spent one hour on the rower and rode almost 15 kilometres. It was like a man possessed. It was incredible. Yeah, it certainly was. And I look forward to, to hearing a little bit more about it. Yeah, we'll get a recap as well on the Relay for Life. Janie Maloney will jump on for a couple of minutes and let us know how that finished last week at Mingara. We'll also talk about the T20 World Cup England winners, as you predicted, Guru, and also Celtic in town. I cannot believe they were beaten by Sydney FC. I think they had 30 shots to about nine and lose the football game 2-1. Ange Postacoglu and his team, they will take on Everton. Can you believe that? Celtic v Everton at a core stadium, 2.45 on Sunday. And then Everton versus the Western Sydney Wanderers next Wednesday at Combank Stadium. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The Coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, welcome back. We're live at the Robson Civil Projects Open Day at Tomago at West Track, and we've just been loving it, Gary. Hey, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think I called you Nostradamus. You predicted that England would win the T20 World Cup. Now, this is why we're still in the group stages. I think back at headquarters, Adam Staples, he might be able to roll in that audio of your prediction two weeks ago. Here we go. That was that was a make or break for England. Really, they had to win win that game. Probably not as much pressure on New Zealand in in, in that sense because they they had the game obviously with Ireland in hand. They only had to win that game, but England certainly stepped up. And and now to me, I believe that they'll still win the competition because when you know they just seem to be just hitting that form. They had that washout against Australia, had that that loss to loss earlier uh, on as well. Uh, but now I think that I think that they'll they'll go on with Hales and Butler getting runs the other night at the top of the innings. They've got. The the firepower to score big runs. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Nostradamus, Gary Birkinshaw. Yeah, look, I, you know, I said it all along, and their, their semi-final performance certainly did that with Butler and Hales putting on 170 to, to win the semi-final. And, you know, they had to work hard against Pakistan, who, 
uh, who really put it to him in the final. And, and Ben Stokes, once again, the big game performer, wow. you know, does it at all levels and, and got him home. But, you know, I think the turning point in that game came in that the catch that Shaheen Shahufridi took on the boundary at, at, um, at long off, took the wicket, but actually prevented him from being able to bowl his final two overs. Now, if he had been able to bowl those final two overs, yeah. the leading striker, yeah, who would have known what that was? Because they immediately had to bring him bowl one ball of the over. They brought Mustakar on the spinner. Ben Stokes goes and takes 14 runs off those last five balls, which really then gave them the momentum and got the run rate back under control. So, to me, that was the big turning point. But England... I thought going in that they, they, were the, they were the best side and, and they showed that. Hey, by the way, Gary, uh, Tuesday night uh, at Central Coast Stadium, or now known as Industry Group Stadium, uh, the Matildas played. And I desperately wanted to go and watch Sam Kerr and the girls in action, Caitlin Ford. Uh, I really love Mary Fowler, who plays in the front third. She came on after half time. But when I switched on, my heart was filled with joy to see over 11,000 fans there and yeah, the Matildas could have won 10 nil. They had so many opportunities. Yeah, my daughter Jade, she went along and she said it was a fantastic occasion. You know, it's not very often we get a chance to see see the Matildas, who are one of the leading teams, and come off the back. We spoke last week about playing Sweden, the number two side, and they actually routed them four nil. So then to come against Thailand, only won two nil, but you're right, they could have scored. Well, amount of goals. I think Tony Gustafson, their, their coach, actually said the man of the match was, was the Thailand goalkeeper and the Thailand uh, upright at the post. <laughs> the woodwork. Yeah, the woodwork. So that's how... Uh, I'll tell you what, they did do well, Thailand. So apart from their keeper who made some incredible saves, they get a lot of bodies behind the ball. And so a lot of the shots that the Matildas took actually hit one of the Thailand bodies. So they did really well at blocking shots. How brave were they as well? Like, they... They just threw their bodies at wherever the ball was coming. They just threw their body at yeah. the ball and the boot. So, look, it, it was, a, it was Jay was saying it was a cracking game to actually be there, cracking atmosphere, and great to have that, that many people at Central Coast Stadium. And hopefully we'll get more of those uh, games here. Yeah, let's go back to Adam at, uh, at headquarters. Here's some audio. I think this might be the Sam Kerr opening goal for the Matildas. Sorry's ball delivers. Kerr's header, and Sam Kerr scores. Sam Kerr, her best return over a calendar 12 months. And the Matildas get the very least that they deserve. In the 40th minute of this contest, they lead Thailand by a goal to nil. How good, Sam Kerr. And you forget, well, you don't forget, like, uh, you know, she's the women's EPL players player and also the Golden Boot winner and just one of the greatest athletes in world sport. Yeah, and also a perennial nominee for the Balloon d'Or the, the, as the Footballer of the Year worldwide. And what a great thrill it would have been for those in attendance at, um, at Industry Group Stadium now um, to have Sam Kerr score. You know, have her playing was, was one thing, but for her to score, you know, that, was, that was a highlight for a lot of people who were there. Sign of the times, too, that the stadium has a new naming rights sponsor, Industry Group Stadium. Let's go to our next guest who's been waiting patiently on the line. So... Adam Rose joins us now. He joined us last year as well about the Trojan Row. It was held at the Impact Centre over 24 hours. So from 5pm on Thursday to 5pm on Friday. We told you earlier in the show about Solomon Hormono and his miraculous effort for one hour on the rower. Adam, good morning, mate. Uh, how did it all finish up and how much money has been raised to, for Gosford Hospital? Good morning, Steve and Gary. 
Um, yeah, mate, the, uh, the body's a little bit sore this morning, let me tell you. We, uh, we rode 411 kilometres. <clears throat> we rode 392 last year, mate, so we're at 19 kilometres in front of that this year. So did really well, mate, and at the moment we're just under the $10,000 mark. But as I spoke to you yesterday, we're, we're going to put a little bit of a video together over the next couple of days and um, <clears throat> we'll push that out into the community, mate, and show them uh, all the good work that we're doing here. Yeah, fantastic. So I think last year you rode almost the equivalent of the Central Coast to the Big Banana in Coffs Harbour. And we were saying yesterday, hopefully you'll row as far as Woolgoolga or maybe Grafton. So congratulations, mate. And uh, who deserves credit for what you guys achieved? Well, mate, there's a, there's a lot of people. We'd really like to thank the Impact Centre. <clears throat> Our home base at the moment on the Central Coast is there. So to Mick and all, all the team there, mate, they're, they're amazing. <clears throat> they really help all these young kids that, you know, we're trying to uh, set goals and set careers and get them on the straight and narrow. Um, also, mate, we had a lot of ex-rugby league players up there. <clears throat> we had Anthony Watmow, Glenn and Brett Stewart, Brent Kite, Darren Higgins. Um, these, these guys are just amazing. They're, they're really good uh, role models for all these young boys and girls. And, um, you know, it's, it's really good that they're actually giving back to this youth program we've got happening as well. So... Yeah, really good. Yeah. And obviously to the Terrigal Rugby Club. Yeah, yeah Adam, great result. Uh, how many people actually took to the rower over, over the 24 hours? How many people chipped in? 78 of us, mate. So, um, yeah, it was a massive effort. We were down on a few numbers this year. We're actually quite busy um, doing other sorts of things or whatever. But, um, <clears throat> but look, the last, the last hour was pretty intense. The, um, the attitude was, you know, pumped up. The adrenaline started to kick in, and, you know, at that sort of time. And... Um, yeah, look, one other person, that a special mention to was Wayne Junior Pierce. I um, I actually met Wayne probably about six months, uh, six six weeks ago actually, and uh, he he really liked to get heavily involved into this program with these kids too. He thinks it's uh, it's an amazing amazing thing that we're doing with all these kids, and uh, yeah, he wants to get involved in it. So he actually started the row out there on um, on Thursday afternoon at five pm. So yeah, to Junior Pierce, thank you kindly. Yeah, Adam, you're probably going to be far too humble, but your business has been heavily involved as well. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so, um, mate, I own a, a drainage company. We do a fair bit of civil work, just like Robson Civil there. I actually have a good mate, Boz, that um, is in big trouble. He actually came to the road <laughs> last year that we spoke about yesterday. He didn't turn up yesterday, so I tried to ring him, mate, but I think he'll dodge me for a couple of days. But Yeah, yeah so yeah, we... So um, can, 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 we just, uh, can we just clarify this? So... Daniel Bosley yeah. from Robson Civil Projects was a no-show at a charity event that he committed to. Yeah. Uh, correct, wow. mate. Yeah. <clears throat> well, <laughs> well, I hate it sounds too. like sounds like you're speechless, and this is going to filter back <laughs> to the top brass at Robson Civil Projects. <laughs> well, I haven't put my foot into that, boy. <laughs> no, well, you've no. been excellent, Adam. <clears throat> Well, mate, uh, con- 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 congratulations to everyone involved. I-, I was there yesterday for MBN Television, and I've just got to say what Solomon Hormono did was one of the greatest moments in sport that I think I've ever seen. Like, I thought we'd have to surgically remove him from the rower. He was on for an hour. He rode almost 15Ks. Well, Steve, the funny story about that is I, I touched base with him about two or three days before the row because we do a fair bit with Solomon. Uh, they're, they're running, him and his beautiful wife are running a, a program in Sydney called Redfern Youth Connect and they're helping a lot of, uh, a lot of unfortunate kids. Um, they actually have two little minibuses, mate. They go and pick these kids up from school every afternoon, take them to a youth centre 
um, between 3 and 7 p.m. They feed these kids. Um, it's possibly the only meal they get all day or whatever, and then they take them home at night time. So uh, Solomon and his wife, Marga, are absolutely inspirational, mate. So we do our little bit down the hill there, and <clears throat> he said to me, he said, mate, I want to come up there and at least do an hour and a half straight on the rower. And I said, mate, there's just no way. <laughs> uh, so, look, let's just cap it at an hour, mate. And yeah, but like you said, Steve, he was absolutely phenomenal, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. And when he finished, I reckon his heart rate would have been over 200 beats a minute. He was incredible. <laughs> hey, Adam, Adam yeah, we need to leave it there, mate. We're getting the wind-up from our producer. Uh, congratulations. Round of applause for everyone involved in the Trojan Row. Let's hope we keep raising money for Gosford Hospital. And well done, mate. Thanks, Steve. Gary, enjoy your day. Thanks, finally. Adam Rose joining us. Uh, we're back in just a moment. We'll get a recap on the Relay for Life for the Cancer Council. Janie Maloney is next on Saturdays on the Coast. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The Coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, welcome back live. Our final break at uh, the Robson Civil Projects Open Day and also uh, West Track. We're here at Tom ago which is north of Newcastle so the show is on the road uh, shout out to Grant Robson the managing director of Robson Civil Projects and he said he's been loving the show and he said thanks boys for being a part of it yeah look it's a fantastic morning and you know, it's great to be out to the place like this over the whole year Steve just some of the places we've been to have been been fantastic but I reckon this is nearly be up there as one of, one of the best and I've just learned so much here just just watching just totally fascinated by by the machines and um and you mentioned earlier also, but or even Greg mentioned, is that some of the operators who've been Robsons for years are just you know, magicians on these machines. Yeah, and some of the men and women that are trialling the equipment today, they're not just trialling one piece of equipment, they're trial, trialling two or three different pieces and they're coming back beaming, yeah. aren't they? Oh, look, yeah, it's, it's exciting. It's, well, it's exciting opportunities for them. Not very often you get to go to a, an open day and know that the possibility of jobs at the other end is, is pretty high if that's where you want, if that's the role yeah. or the opportunity you want to take. And if Robsons are celebrating their 60th anniversary and this is the first time they've ever done this, that says something about the demand for people working in this sector. Yeah, that's right. And uh, the other mention we had Greg here earlier with working for Robson is that, that they get you, they train you up the, the way that, that they want safely, very, very well qualified and... And, you know, it sets you up for, for life, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, uh, a couple of final things. So Celtic played Sydney FC. I said earlier, I could not believe. In fact, it's not often you see a team so dominant lose a sporting contest. I think they had 30 shots. Uh, you know, I think in the end, maybe 10 of them were on target. But, uh, you know, in the second half, it could have been anything. It was a barrage, uh, barrage against Sydney FC. Then they roll down the other end and they score this incredible goal. Here's the audio. Again, cuts onto the right. Gets away from O'Reilly. Has Max Burgess in support. He cuts onto his left and Max Burgess. Look at Yeah, it was mind-blowing. Uh, commentary there, I think that was Glenn Lauder, who's from the Central Coast of New South Wales and did a great job on uh, Wednesday, Thursday night it was. Uh, Ange Postacoglu was inducted into the Football Australia Hall of Fame prior to the match, so congratulations to him. Celtic will play again against Everton. Uh, he's hoping they'll be a little better. I thought he was, uh, how would I describe it? 
post-match interview on Channel 10. I just thought he was a little abrupt afterwards. Uh, you know, he wasn't happy with their performance. Uh, you know, they're a massive brand, aren't they? And, you know. Yeah, it's interesting that you stay there. Look, people would see that it's not very often does the World Cup come in and stop all club competitions around the world. So, so clubs now and coaches now have to pick their side up and how do they keep them engaged for the six-week period of the World Cup so that they come good for the back half of the year. So, so they come out here and you wonder, are they out here for a holiday? But just saw Ange's response after that, which you know, we've all had awkward interviews and that probably wasn't one of his, his greatest moments looking back on, but just goes to show it does mean something for him and great, uh, great opportunity coming up uh, tomorrow. I think they play uh, Everton at, at Acor Stadium. Who would have thought? Celtic versus Everton. Yeah, it'll be massive. Hey, uh, the wind-up music is on, so uh, we've got to thank Chris Dixon. We've got to say thank our great mate Greg Ferguson. What a legend he is. Thanks to Grant Robson for having us involved. Uh, it's been thoroughly enjoyable. We're about to get a guided tour of West Track here. Thank you, as always, to Adam back at headquarters, who steers the ship, to Valentine Holmes, our technical, uh, technical expert extraordinaire. Thank you. And uh, Burko, great to see you, mate. Your yeah. final show of the year. Yeah, look, thanks very much for the opportunity. I've really enjoyed uh, my brief uh, appearances on the show. It's been fantastic. And thanks for the, uh, for the ride-up as well. Yeah, that, that music, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, next, next week, we're off to the Toowoomba Ocean Swim. We'll catch you then. Saturdays on the coast on SEN.